Welcome to Echo 2 Fuel Perspectives, the podcast that brings you insightful conversations at the forefront of sustainable energy and the fight against climate change. Brought to you by the Echo 2 Fuel Project, an innovative initiative under Horizon 2020's Green Deal program, aimed at revolutionizing the production of economic and sustainable liquid e-fuels and chemicals. Your host, Dr. Shoan Hosini, project coordinator of Echo 2 Fuel and CEO of Cutting Edge Nanomaterials, will guide you through this intriguing world of sustainable energy. We'll delve into pioneering research and inventive solutions that are reshaping our future. Join us as we engage with top-tier experts and stakeholders to dissect and unveil the latest breakthroughs in carbon capture and utilization. We'll navigate the complex interplay of science, technology, and policy, explore challenges, celebrate triumphs, and shed light on the potential of carbon capture and utilization technologies for our environment, economies, and society at large. Whether you're a passionate advocate, a dedicated researcher, an influential policymaker, or just curious about the future of energy, you're in the right place. Prepare to broaden your horizons, rethink established paradigms, and gain a refreshing perspective on the journey towards a sustainable, flourishing world. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for the latest episodes and join us on our social media platforms for engaging conversations. Together, we can help sculpt a cleaner, greener future. I'm delighted to have you along for this journey. Welcome to Echo to Few Perspectives. Hello, everybody, and uh, hello, Antonino. I'm uh, very glad that you're joining us today to our podcast. Um, and I'm very happy to have you on board on the, um, in the consortium of the Echo to Fuel project. Antonino is um, Dr. Antonino Salvador Arico, is uh, presently director of the Institute of Advanced Energy Technologies of the Italian National Council of uh, Research, uh, CNR Italia. Um, he, had, uh, he was head of the electrochemical process for energy conversion uh, group at the, the CNR Italia and was involved in research programs related to the development of energy technologies with special regard to electrocatalysis, electrolysis, fuel cells, CO2 conversion, solar cells, and batteries. Dr. Antonino Salvatore Arico is also, um, um, also covers the role of Italian representative as the state's representative group, SRG, of the Clean Hydrogen joint undertaking. Uh, Dr. Arico has published more than 368 articles in international pre-reviewed um, journals and authored 13 book chapters and has, um, had, has an impressive age index of 68. Dr. Arico has been coordinator and responsible scientifically for about 50 projects, including new national and industrial funded contracts. Antonino, I'm very happy to have you on the consortium of Echo to Fuel, somebody with your experience and uh, skills. Um, it's um, definitely helping this project uh, to, uh, to succeed. And uh, now I would like to give you the word to tell me a little bit more about CNR Ital. And um, then we have a lot of um, interesting questions that I would like to ask you uh, um, for the Echo to Fuel project. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Shuana. Thank you for your introduction. And so thank you for this opportunity to collaborate with you and with the uh, consortium of the uh, Echo to Fuel project. It is a great pleasure for me to uh, contribute to 
activities, uh, research on uh, carbon dioxide reduction, recycling of carbon dioxide. Uh, regarding my uh, institute, this is the Institute of Advanced Energy Technologies, and it belongs to the Italian National Council of Research. Uh, CNR is the largest uh, Italian public research organization, and uh, uh, its duties are to carry and promote the spread uh, research activities in the main sectors of knowledge and use this research, scientific and technological, and uh, 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 knowledge to, to, to improve, to, uh, uh, to assist the country and to assist the social development of the country. Uh, my institute belongs to the Department of uh, engineering, uh, engineering of the Italian National Council of Research, and the activities that are carried out in this institute essentially regard the green hydrogen in general, especially uh, uh, electrolysis, fuel cells. Uh, we have a strong research activity on batteries, on uh, heterogeneous catalysis, and in general, on renewable energy sources. Uh, essentially, the CNR, CNR ITE activity is based on a mixture of basic and applied research, uh, and this is carried out through a multidisciplinary approach. Uh, so we are essentially focusing on uh, electrochemical energy conversion technologies, uh, uh, also taking advantage of our, our expertise, our knowledge in material science, uh, um, micro and nanotechnologies, polymer science and uh, system engineering. And uh, that's all uh, for, uh, for my institute. I tried to provide a brief description of our activities. Thank you, Antonino. It's a, it's a very broad uh, activity field. And um, so in, in the Echo to Fuel project, you're also contributing in um, many, many work packages uh, with your experience and skills. So we have, um, we have asked for a couple of questions um, to be answered uh, by you. And um, so I would like to uh, start with the first question. So conversion of carbon dioxide into fuels and feeds of chemicals using renewable energy uh, to reduce greenhouse gas emission has um, obviously gained a, a lot of momentum in the recent years. So which are the main uh, perspectives and challenges of this process, um, in your opinion? Uh, thank you so much, Schwan, for uh, this question. Uh, well, uh, uh, carbon dioxide recycling can avoid the net carbon dioxide, net CO2 emissions in the atmosphere and uh, of course will contribute to achieve carbon neutrality. And this is uh, the key aspect of this process. Uh, of course, uh, this process can strongly contribute in reducing the uh, negative effects of the climate changes and global warming. Uh, in particular, I would say that this process can help the transition towards a decarbonized energy system and uh, in, at the same time will assure uh, energy security that is uh, an important aspect uh, carbon dioxide and water can be task converted into renewable fuels 
in principle using a low temperature co-electrolysis into these can be converted into high density high energy density carbonaceous fuels liquid fuels and physicochemical and this is the uh, key aspect of this process that is the reason why this process is so important and with the great perspectives of course that there are significant challenges Yes, and coming to, coming to the challenges, of course, there are uh, other technologies that uh, convert CO2 to renewable fuels, uh, such as the catalytic conversion of CO2, so thermal catalytic conversion of CO2 uh, using hydrogen. So uh, what would you say why electrolysis of CO2 and water are so actively studied in parallel to the catalytic conversion of CO2 and hydrogen? Uh, thank you. I would like to point out to, to put into evidence that uh, a low temperature co-electrolysis or electrolysis of CO2 and water allows to uh, convert renewable energy into the so-called e-fuels. There is a strong interest, especially the European Commission regarding e-fuels. These are essentially renewable, based on renewable synthetic fuels. And this is a, a relevant aspect. Another aspect is that this process can also convert the CO2 and water into commodity chemicals, in the feedstock chemicals. And this occurs in a single step without a need to arrange several processes as it occurs with the catalytic conversion. Uh, just to make, uh, just to give an example, uh, in a catalytic conversion, in alternative processes, uh, it, there is a need to produce green hydrogen in a first step. In a second step, this green hydrogen is used to convert CO2 into thin gas. And in a third step, eventually final Fischer-Tropsch process, can be used to get high energy density, high molecular weight hydrocarbons. Using low temperature co-electrolysis of CO2 and water can achieve these high molecular weight hydrocarbons in a single step. So this is the key aspect. Uh, uh, regarding, uh, you know, this comparison, we can say that the low temperature electrolysis of CO2 and water can save energy and reduce capital costs. And the key aspect is to, that this process can, in effect, produce multi-carbon compounds. That means high energy density synthetic liquid fuels. And this will help a lot in the transition towards a, a sustainable energy system. And I, I can uh, say that these are relevant advantages also compared to high temperature co-electrolysis of CO2 and water in solid oxide uh, devices, because in that case, we can get mainly syngas. And of course, this syngas should be converted into methane using a downstream catalytic process. And still, we have methane as gas, not uh, uh, liquid fuels. So there are uh, significant advantages of using low temperature electrolysis of CO2 and water. 
Yes, this is a, this is definitely a significant advantage. And um, look, but looking at the Fischer Tropsch conversion, looking at the water electrolysis, uh, these are already mature technologies. So, which would be the key um, performance indicators that provide evidence that the CO two electrochemical conversion process is competitive to um, very, um, against the green hydrogen um, production by electrolysis? Yeah, uh, it is it is necessary to identify specific key performance indicators that can indicate clearly that the uh, CO2 recycling low temperature electrolysis of CO2 is competitive not only versus green hydrogen production, but also versus alternative catalytic processes. What is really important is the achieving a high faradaic efficiency uh, for the conversion of co2 and water into high energy density synthetic fuels essentially multi-carbon compounds with a high molecular weight this is the first aspect the second aspect i would like to mention is high energy efficiency high energy efficiency is also requested because of the high cost at the moment of the high cost of renewable electricity and this is the second aspect the third aspect is a suitable voltage efficiency which is needed to avoid corrosion or degradation processes so we need to combine at least these three relevant aspects to get an efficient process I would also like to mention low capital costs. Low capital costs are essentially needed to implement this technology to a low wide scale deployment of this technology. And these low capital costs can be achieved at, uh, by operating the device at high current density and also avoiding critical raw materials. Of course, if you operate uh, an electrolysis process at high current density, you have a corresponding decrease of efficiency. So a trade-off is necessary, but this is important. Operating at high current density can significantly decrease capital costs because we can proportionally reduce, uh, increase production rate. And uh, of course, uh, I would like uh, again to emphasize about the production of a high energy density synthetic fuels like liquid decarbonaceous fuels. And this, is, uh, will, this will play an important role for uh, a progressive transition uh, towards a decarbonized or a, if you want a sustainable energy system with important implications for mobility and energy storage. Understood. So, but if I if I look now, coming back again to the maturity of this uh, technology, if I look now into the, um, into the scientific literature, I see a variation of results um, and uh, everybody who is investigating CO2 electro reduction is uh, reporting different products, is reporting different efficiencies, even over different catalysts and so on. So why low temperature CO2 conversion is so much affected by experimental operation conditions uh, and um, which phys physical variables and cell configurations um, play or play a role in your opinion? Uh, th thank you for this question. This is uh, an important aspect that, that should be 
uh, of course, uh, address the properly. Uh, we know that uh, uh, carbon dioxide is a relatively inert molecule at low temperature, at low operating temperature. So, of course, converting carbon dioxide at low temperature uh, is characterized by significant uh, advantages, as mentioned before, but this is, uh, of course, it is uh, uh, sluggish. Uh, uh, electrochemical conversion is uh, uh, an important drawback that should be properly uh, investigated and studied. Uh, so the electrochemical conversion of carbon dioxide at, uh, uh, let's say, at ambient temperature, at a relatively low temperature, is uh, uh, essentially not just a matter of the selected the catalytic systems, but there are also some other relevant aspects that can affect the process, the reaction kinetics, the stability, the conversion efficiency. So these aspects are essentially the operating potential window that can affect the selectivity. And the operating temperature and pressure, you know that temperature usually um, increase, enhance, uh, enhances reaction kinetics. Pressure is also important to enhance carbon dioxide solubility. And also there is a strong effect from the uh, type of the electrolyte and the pH. Usually an alkaline environment is preferred because of course we want to solubilize CO2 at the interface between the electrolyte and the electrode. And uh, I, I think that significant uh, progress has been achieved from, uh, you know, when gas diffusion electrodes and flow cells have been uh, started to be, have been investigated for this process. These uh, two approaches have allowed to increase significantly the productivity. Uh, of course, I have to say that, uh, as well now, aqueous electrolytes can promote hydrogen evolution. That, unfortunately, is a, a competitive process, but sometimes we need aqueous electrolytes to reduce ohmic drop. You know, organic electrolytes can have, uh, you know, can uh, uh, avoid hydrogen evolution, but at the same time, we need the water and also we need to keep low the ohmic resistance. So uh, according, accordingly to these uh, observations, there are advantages and drawbacks by selecting specific operating conditions, uh, usually bicarbonates of sodium and potassium allow to increase the carbon dioxide solubility at the interface. And the same, I would say, it occurs for ionic liquids. However, here there is, a, of course, the cost that should be taken into consideration in the latter case. Uh, what is also interesting to mention is that reducing the electro, by using a more negative electrochemical potential, we can produce uh, of course, methane, ethylene, methanol, and uh, of course, uh, and 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 uh, from a thermo thermodynamic point of view, uh, uh, 
carbon, carbon monoxide and forming acid would require a more negative potential. However, despite of these thermodynamic aspects, uh, carbon monoxide and formic acid are uh, preferentially produced in some cases because these are two electron processes instead of methanol or ethanol. And methanol is a sixth electron process. So, uh, of course, there are several aspects to consider thermodynamics, uh, uh, reaction kinetics, and of course, the selection of proper operating conditions and the cell configuration of gas diffusion electrodes play an important role for this process. So I see that um, the electrochemical conversion of CO2 can, uh, can result in a lot of products. And um, depending on um, the variables, depending on the operation conditions, a lot of products can, uh, can, uh, can be produced and uh, at the different uh, efficiencies. Now, um, coming to, the, to, the, to these different products and the uh, reaction kinetics, of course, the reaction kinetics are especially driven by the type of electrocatalyst. And um, so what would you say, what, which electrocatalysts are the most effective uh, for this process? Let's say for, for our carbonaceous fuels, whether liquid or um, gaseous. Uh, thank you. This is, uh, of course, uh, an important aspect, the selection of the uh, uh, best electrocatalyst for the desired process. And in, in the case of the eco-fuel uh, project, uh, our aim is to achieve carbonaceous fuels. Uh, of course, to uh, achieve efficient reduction of carbon dioxide, and uh, water, uh, what is needed for the electrocatalyst is a high activity, proper selectivity, and low overpotential for this process. These are the main aspects, in my opinion. Uh, why the main aspect? Because uh, these are linked to the production rate. High activity means high production rate. Proper selectivity means uh, uh, high Faradayic efficiency towards carbonaceous fuels and low overpotential means high energy efficiency. So uh, these are the most important aspects. Of course, we need to play around with the catalyst chemistry, composition, morphology, oxidation state, crystallographic structure, surface properties. So designed a, a, an efficient catalyst and selective catalyst is uh, uh, of course uh, required to address all, all these properties. Uh, just to, 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 to give some examples, uh, regarding the morphology, it is well known that the high surface area is desired to achieve practical conversion rates. And regarding the chemistry, uh, I will uh, give some practical examples. As an example, silver-based electrocatalysts are extremely effective for carbon monoxide production with high Faradayic efficiencies. But if we want to obtain not syngas, not carbon monoxide, but 
uh, multi-carbon compounds, um, carbonaceous fuels, multi-carbon based, we need the copper oxides. These are the most important uh, catalysts for producing it is uh, high molecular weight carbonaceous fuels. Why? Because copper has the lowest binding energy for carbon monoxide adsorption. So, of course, carbon monoxide that is adsorbed on the surface can react. And of course, we can have carbon-carbon coupling. Uh, crystallographic structure is uh, essential to uh, achieve uh, effective carbon-carbon coupling because we need the neighboring copper sites in order to maximize this process in order to achieve multi-carbon compounds like ethylene, like ethene, like ethanol, and so on. So uh, it is important to uh, select the proper copper oxide electrocatalysts if the aim is achieving multi-carbon compound. However, uh, the oxidation state on the surface play an important role. As an example, if we have a copper 2 plus on the surface, in principle, the process can provide essentially methane, but that is never never occurs because because in principle, when you apply a reducing potential, you have a change, a partial change from two plus to one plus to metallic copper. And of course, I have to say that the mixture of different copper oxidation states is favorable to obtain multi-carbon compounds. Instead, metallic copper can promote hydrogen evolution or uh, in parallel carbon monoxide or formicase formation. So if the aim is to achieve multi-carbon compounds, we need to play around the copper oxide oxidation state. We need to avoid strong reducing potentials to avoid the formation of metallic copper. And this is also essential to achieve high energy efficiency. In principle, an important aspect is also combination of different catalyst formulations, like combining copper oxides and silver. And of course, silver can uh, act as can promote formation of carbon monoxide and syngas, and this syngas is converted through the copper oxides to multi-carbon compounds. So also the combination of electrocatalysts can play an important role. Of course, I, I would like also to mention some alternatives to these well-known catalytic formulations. I would like to mention molecular electrocatalysts based on metal ligand complexes of iron, iron porphyrins, polypyridyls. Also, I would like to mention carbon nanotubes. Uh, would like to mention uh, uh, nitrogen doped carbons. Uh, avoiding completely uh, um, transition metals, uh, also single atoms uh, of uh, like zinc, uh, nitrogen anchored zinc on carbon, also molybdenum selenides and sulfides. Of course, uh, the selection of the catalyst chemistry 
depends on what kind of products we want to achieve. Uh, and uh, I would like to say that, uh, of course, not only, uh, let's say, productivity, but also stability is extremely important because uh, uh, we want to achieve good performance at the beginning of life, but we also, we also need good durability in order to make this process highly reliable. And I have to say that catalyst poisoning by adsorbed organic residues is a relevant drawback at the moment affecting the durability of this of these process. So I understand that the, that the selectivity of the, of the products very much depends on them or as you um, maybe depends on the surface chemistry. So um, you, you said that the surface chemistry of, for example, copper, if we have if we are operating at the high um, high reducing potentials, it will reduce back to copper, and then we will preferably get either hydrogen or carbon monoxide. Now we want to to go to higher um, higher uh, molecular weight um, products. So what would be the idea of you to um, to to prevent this high um, um, reducing potentials, but at the same time operating at high current densities. Thank you. This is a, this is a critical challenge. We want to achieve a high selectivity towards high molecular weight hydrocarbons. And uh, of course, we also need to operate at high current density. That means also uh, high productivity. And uh, of course, selectivity has a strong impact on Faradayk efficiency for the formation of the desired organic fuels uh, in competition to hydrogen evolution. Uh, of course, we need to stabilize the uh, desired oxidation state. As an example, the uh, uh, oxidation state of copper oxide can be stabilized by addition of zinc, by uh, let's say we'll say by uh, formation of solid solutions with uh, other uh, uh, metals and eventually with uh, by anchoring these on a specific support so uh, it is important to stabilize the oxidation state on the surface uh, with regard to the specific process this is an important an important uh, uh, we'll say aspect and uh, of course, uh, uh, we need to, 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 to mention that the selectivity is governed by the reaction mechanisms. So uh, uh, the reaction mechanisms are affected by the catalyst properties, as mentioned, the oxidation state, the surface properties, the chemistry, but also the reaction environment that this was discussed at the beginning of our, uh, let's say, conversation the reaction environment can also drive the process towards specific directions. And uh, how, how to deal with all these variables? Of course, uh, uh, several scientists uh, use atomistic simulations, functional density theory studies, uh, uh, in order to get relevant insights into the reaction mechanism. And this can reduce the number of uh, iterations 
or can reduce the time-consuming trials and errors approach. So the, the process, the reaction mechanism is, uh, of course, complex, but we have some tools to identify proper uh, uh, routes to, to enhance the uh, conversion of carbon dioxide and water. So I imagine all these variables or controlling all these variables is very, very challenging. It's, um, it's time consuming to get to a point where we can actually produce um, this high selectivity a certain product. Um, and um, going, to the, going to the products um, and the, the control of the whole process, one could imagine that it is very, very also cost intensive. So we have been uh, discussing now in the European, uh, uh, at the European level, but also in Germany, and I'm also sure uh, now also in Italy, where you are uh, situated, that um, e-fuels are very cost, um, not, not very cost effective. So they are very expensive and um, people that are in favor of uh, e-fuels, for example, for mobility, they are always like, um, so, People like to discuss very controversially about uh, about this topic. So, what would you say? How to reduce the cost of the produced e-fuels from CO2 conversion, and which would be the main drivers to do that? Yeah, <laughs> this is uh, of course uh, uh, an important argument: uh, the cost of the e-fuel of the produce of the e-fuels, because uh, at the end of the day, we need uh, to produce uh, synthetic fuels with, uh, uh, at a uh, uh, reasonable cost. I will say that the main drivers that uh, affect the cost of e-fuels are at the moment primarily the cost of renewable electricity and also the capital costs of the system, but also the uptime hours. Uh, the cost of renewable electricity is uh, uh, at the moment uh, still high uh, let's say the target will be to uh, achieve, uh, let's say, uh, a cost for renewable electricity lower than uh, uh, 40 euro per um, megawatt hour. And, uh, um, and regarding the, uh, um, yeah, the capital cost, of course, it is also have a, a significant effect. We need to reduce the capital cost by increasing operating current density it does make any sense to operate such system at the low current density because uh, because uh, uh, of course uh, uh, in that case we have a low production rate and accordingly we have a high capital costs uh, coming back to the cost of uh, renewable electricity how to address this aspect by increasing efficiency of course if we increase efficiency uh, above 80 percent this is the target we can of course minimize the amount of renewable electricity that is used and regarding the uptime hours of course we have here to consider two possibility two possibilities grid connected systems or uh, let's say standalone systems connected just to renewable power sources. Of course, we want to maximize uptime hours because if we uh, keep off the system for, let's say, uh, 
uh, several thousand hours per year, of course, uh, we stop the production and, of course, the cost of the produced e-fuels will increase. So uh, what is really important is to reduce the cost of renewable electricity by, and, you know, the production of e-fuels can <laughs> act as an incentive to increase the uh, uh, installation of renewable power sources. We need to operate the system at high current density because, of course, this is a, has a direct impact on capital costs and, of course, identify strategy is regarding the uh, operation. Uh, um, uh, regarding the durability, this is another important aspect. Uh, of course, durability is uh, is uh, uh, um, uh, durability is necessary in order to let's say manage uh, what is payback uh, period. You know, when you have such kind of investments, uh, you have a payback period in let's say five, eight years. We need eventually to reduce capital costs in order to have a payback period after two or three years essentially and of course have a, a have strong durability in order to operate the system for 20 years so also to get some economical advantage and other aspects are also related to the pretreatment of carbon dioxide to the pretreatment of the fuel gas fuel gas scrubbing and purification from sulfur compounds will pay, play a key role regarding durability. So it is not just important to focus on the system, on the operating conditions, but also on the, let's say, uh, uh, um, uh, surrounding aspects on the pretreatment of the, of the fuel gas. These are also relevant aspects. So that that makes a that makes a whole lot of of uh, different uh, drivers that we need to uh, optimize in order to bring down the cost for uh, e-fuels from CO2 conversion, which are mostly also not in the power of uh, of the of the company who would build the equitable fuel system, uh, but uh, may also um, be uh, dependent on um, other external um, drivers. Um, but so when I when I listen to CO2 uh, electro reduction um, conversion technologies and uh, seeing how far they have progressed, I I come to the to the idea that the CO2 electrochemical reduction to e-fuels may be the holy grail um, and the answer to our uh, to our problems um, uh, climate problems. So. What what is your perception? Do you think that the CO2 recycling is perceived by the general public as a possible means to reduce greenhouse gas emissions? Uh, because sometimes I I can um, I hear very controversial uh, discussions. And how to enhance? Uh, how would you think would be the best way to enhance the social acceptance of the CO2 electrochemical reduction? Uh, th thank you so much for uh, this question. This is an important aspect. Uh, in my opinion, uh, uh, the CO2 recycling is uh, essentially perceived by the general public as an important opportunity to progressively decrease the net emissions of CO2 into the atmosphere. 
recycling strategies are gaining momentum so uh, this is uh, of course an important approach uh, so in my opinion it is clear to everybody that fossil fuels must be avoided in order to manage with these uh, climate changes and global warming but at the same time this is also perceived as a risk for the security of energy supply so in that regard in my opinion information campaigns about the perspectives that can be that is offered by the co2 reduction in assisting a progressive transition towards a decarbonized energy system uh, is extremely important and uh, of course we need to uh, show through this information campaign that this will not have a dramatic impact on the content and the availability and the available amount of energy and related uses and this will be extremely important to increase the social acceptability uh, we needed to clarify that that carbon dioxide recycling is one of the best approaches in the transition period towards a complete decarbonized energy system but in my opinion this can can go also beyond the uh, complete decarbonization because we can we will still use some carbonaceous fuels in some uh, in some industrial uh, applications so we think that this sustainable process will be important non, not only for the transition period but also once the uh, significant a significant decarbonization is uh, achieved uh, it should be made clear that, that there is no competition between green hydrogen and synthetic fuels since both green hydrogen and synthetic fuels contribute to make sustainable our economy so uh, we think that we need to focus on both aspects on both processes and of course it should be made clear to the general public that there is no competition between water for electrolysis and fresh water for agriculture or potable water for the citizens. This is an important aspect. At the moment, this technology covers just a niche market. And since it covers a niche market, fresh water is used. However, uh, in the next years, we expect that this technology will be deployed on a large scale and in that case desalinized and wastewater will be used instead of fresh water with very with minimal impact on energy efficiency because there are at the moment efficient desalinization process based on let's say a reverse osmosis as an example or evaporation processes so this is not a problem the availability of water is not a problem because in the future we will not use any fresh water for this process but uh, seawater and 
and uh, 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 wastewater. And uh, of course, uh, using wastewater, there is another important advantage because uh, using this process uh, at the cathode will reduce CO2 to carbonaceous fuels. At the anode, we can, uh, we can oxidize the uh, organic contaminants that are present in wastewater. So using the same process, we can, in principle, get fuels, e-fuels, and purify the water. So uh, this is an important aspect to mention to the public, to the general public, to the society. It is also an important aspect that uh, using seawater, of course, we can get the water for the electrolysis process and the minerals, remaining minerals, we can extract the minerals for several uh, applications, like for lithium and sodium batteries or for uh, several other applications. So there are uh, important uh, applications of this, of this process in the future using uh, seawater and wastewater. And it is important to communicate these aspects, not only to the general public, but also to the policymakers because, of course, there are significant advantages and we need to, let's say, start with the demonstration projects on a large scale, uh, provide specific support to research in order to advance in this field. So, listening to your latest, uh, latest ideas where you could really uh, make a CO2 electroreduction on the cathode side to produce e-fuels and on the anode side to even uh, clean up the wastewater. Such a system would be really, uh, really uh, all-rounder. So you could actually use it for everything. But one critical question at the end, since we are coming to the end, um, the question is, so when I... Whenever I talk uh, with with people outside um, the the consortium about um, CO two electro reduction, uh, I always hear one question, and this question is: Isn't the CO two reduction so convert converting the CO two to e fuels? Isn't that all, and later on burning the e fuels to convert it back to energy? Isn't that just a delaying of the CO two emission? And that's the last question I would like to ask you so it's a critical question which i always hear and i would like to um, have your opinions on that uh thank you thank you so much for this question uh, uh what we need to uh, uh, emphasize is that this is a carbon neutral process uh because of course we can uh, uh, take carbon dioxide uh, from from the uh, uh, process at the moment, producing uh, these uh, these fuel gas and convert these into into e-fuels that are uh, uh, used in internal combustion systems or also in uh, high temperature uh, solid oxide fuel cells at high efficiency. At the end of the day, there are no net emissions of CO2 into the atmosphere. So this CO2 recycling is a neutral carbon cycle. So what we need is to avoid increasing 
carbon dioxide emissions into the atmosphere. But there is also some other process that is carbon negative. As an example, if we recycle carbon dioxide for, to produce uh, uh, organic compounds as a feedstock chemicals for, uh, uh, let's say, producing plastics like methanol. Methanol is a feedstock chemical. In that case, we can have a carbon negative process. We can uh, try to use these processes also to pro produce commodity chemicals. In the future, probably we still need some carbon compounds for some specific applications. So the chemical industry will need some carbon compounds, uh, some feedstock chemicals. So in that case, we can have also carbon negative processes. Uh, I will say that, uh, as already mentioned, this is not just important for the transition period up to achieve complete decarbonization of the energy system, but can continue after the decarbonization because CO2 carbon compounds cannot be completely excluded from our economy. And what is really important is to have carbon neutral process without net CO2 emissions into the atmosphere. And the other aspect is also having a carbon negative processes. So this is my opinion. Uh, this process will have significant perspectives, not just for the transition period, but also beyond the transition period. Great. Thanks a lot, Antonino. So if I understand you right, as, as long as we stop using new fossil fuels and keep recycling the CO2, we can make it either CO2 neutral or CO2 negative. Great. Um, Antonino, very, uh, thank you very much for, for the time that you took and um, answering this uh, quite challenging questions. I learned a lot uh, in this uh, session with you and um, I hope, I wish you a very nice day and I hope uh, to talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you very much, Shuana, for this uh, opportunity to discuss with you and, of course, for the uh, collaboration in the Eco2Fuel project. And uh, I expect we can achieve significant progresses. Thank you so much. Thank you, Antonino. See you soon. Bye. We'll be back soon with more thought-provoking discussions and groundbreaking discoveries. Until then, Remember that every small step towards sustainability counts. Let's continue to explore, innovate, and transform our world for generations to come. Echo 2 Fuel Perspectives is a production of the Echo 2 Fuel Project under Horizon 2020's Green Deal program. To learn more about the project and access additional resources, visit our website at www.echo2fuelproject.eu.